Hello, and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live from the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Operations Manager at Upload, so let's meet the rest of today's panel. Over here to the left, Ian, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Ian Hamilton, Managing Editor. All right. And Harry? Oh. is very silent today. So this is Harry, another one of our writers here. Uh, David, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. I'm David Jagna from Upload VR. Okay. And our guest this week, Marco, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is uh, Marco Permanto. I work at Neat Corporation. I'm one of the founders. And uh, I work with game design and programming. That's my day-to-day job, basically, and uh, yeah, primarily the budget cut series of games. That's what I what I do. Very cool. Very uh, cool. Speaking yeah. of, I, I heard a, a new budget cuts game came out today, right? Yeah, I heard so too. too. Yeah, that's that's right. It's like half an hour ago or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll dive into it more later. But can you give us just like a quick, you know, synopsis? Of what is the game? Sure. It's a stealth VR game uh, where you hunt down evil robots with uh, with throwing knives, as you usually do against robots. That's the best weapon. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Their weakness, yeah. Yeah, biggest weakness, easily. All right. Well, if everybody's ready, let's go ahead and dig into the news for this week. So... The news this week, I guess the big thing that everybody is talking about is the Oculus Quest and hands-free, controller-free, hands-tracking. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I personally have not gotten it on my Quest yet, but a lot of people have. So uh, let's see here. David, let's go to you and talk about the hand-tracking. Yes, I have hand-tracking on my Quest. I was one of the... One of the chosen. I have ascended uh-huh. into Elysium, and I am now among the the golden elite that have hand tracking on their quest. And uh, it has not changed anything in my life. It's yeah. <laughs> the, the reason, I mean, it's cool. It works way better than I was really thinking it would. You know, like I can move my hands around. I can move my fingers each individual digit. I can, you know, make a peace sign. I can make other signs with fingers. I can, you know, do a thumbs up. I can do all kinds of stuff. Um, the pinching to select is a little, eh. I feel like it's eh. um, it. Sometimes it registers it too easily. Other times I feel like I have to try to like mash, you know, like a P in my hand hard to get it mm. to even work. Um, and then I can't get the home screen to come up. I saw you're supposed to like do it like this, but it doesn't work for me for some reason. Um, I don't know. That's weird. And it doesn't really support any apps of note. It's just like system features the browser oculus tv and even within oculus tv some stuff won't work like i tried to do the quill illustration viewer which is part of oculus tv but it wouldn't work with hand tracking um so Uh i mean it's it's still hit or miss right now um and when it gets more widely rolled out i think it'll be really amazing i can't wait to put you know like someone that's never used vr put them in, you know, like Nature Treks or National Geographic and let them see their hands inside that app, that would be incredible. I think that's the best use case of it for me, um, just to demonstrate it to people. Because everyone, when they put on a VR headset, they always do this, but they can't see their hands. Mm. But now being able to see your hands would just make that so much better. So 
I think it's um it's going to be cool once developers have the time and ability to add features. The the SDK launches next week, I believe. So that'll that process right. will sort of kick into kick into high gear starting next week and I think Oculus even said we should expect the first third-party apps early next year. So right. it, for those of you who don't know, an SDK is a software development kit that allows you to implement that, you know, oh, look, I have hands uh, in your actual game. So uh, the developers need to decide, first of all, do they want to have, is is their game mechanic conducive for having hand controls or do you actually need buttons? So not every game is going to get uh, hand tracking support. Yeah, I would so, even go so far as to say most would not benefit from it at all. Mm-hmm. Most most traditional games, I, I would say. Yeah, I like know, a Mark, game like Budget Cuts, like yeah. you guys probably don't really you you have no interest, right? Because you don't have hands presented in the game at all, and then you kind of need those buttons to switch items and do stuff, right? Sure. I mean, it could be done with like gestures, for example. I I have no like ideas currently for that because I haven't been thinking about it. But I mean, it's totally possible. Uh, I believe to do to do budget cuts with uh, without controllers, but there's always this like uh, risk that that the uh, input is going to be too noisy for it to feel as responsive mm. as with buttons. So, right. so you're gonna so you're gonna like lo- like potentially like I'm just guessing here, but like my experience tells me that there's like a risk of uh, you doing an action that you. Uh, yeah, intended intended to happen and it doesn't happen because the input was noisy, and then you like sort of get frustrated. And so, so for games which are which have like these these intense moments, such as budget cuts, uh, right. it can be really detrimental if like that that single moment where you're like being hunted by a robot and you have to hide or whatever, uh, and if that fails because the tracking didn't work, that's gonna be bad so yeah, and i'm thinking of you know actions like shooting a shooting a bow you have to pull it back and the field of view for the cameras to see your hands might not be right. able to see the hand but you could yeah. release a button but he can't see that your finger's doing this yeah so that that kind of stuff like yeah. that is tricky to work around right now yeah hmm. for sure if it's if it's just a little but bit slower right that's a big problem yeah. right if it's just that slight bit of timing latency that's added that can totally kill everything and but then a game uh, like waltz of the wizard um i know they've shown interest and that's a good candidate for hand tracking because that whole game is just doing wizard stuff with your hands and then mm-hmm. Curi- curious tale of the stolen pets you know fast travel games that yeah. that one i think they've yeah, already perfect. said they want to do hand mm-hmm. tracking yeah so we know that it's the quest that's getting the hand tracking where's the rift s hand tracking do we think we're gonna see that does who who wants Oof. to I know, right? Yeah, I mean, like, they'd have to do some... Clearly, the the Quest platform is the main platform for our Facebook, and I'm using a Quest right now to pack on to the Rift platform. So, I mean, they have to do some kind of backwards way of allowing Quest apps on the Rift platform in order to, yeah, can, to do it. Can we just reflect on how kind of odd and backwards it is right now because i remember when it first came out the quest was supposed to be this highly curated device that would only have the high-end fully polished features and experiences but now it's got a beta hand tracking feature (laughs) that everyone's super excited about but shouldn't they have done the beta on rift s and then rolled out the full feature to quest 
Mm, so right? my my thought on this is that because Ian and I both tried uh, the hand tracking demo together at uh, Connect, and you know uh, we talked to the developers and they and they said we don't we wanted to do it on Quest first, meaning to me that it would eventually get to the Rift S as well. But I'm not I'm not sure if that's really the case. So the, the thing about the the Connect demos we tried is they didn't have the pinch gesture, which is their main form of interaction using that system. So you could not mm-hmm. act. the The thing that they showed us uh, with hand tracking was dipping your hands in liquids and swiping things in midair and like pressing various things, but you you didn't actually use their main mm-hmm. interaction paradigm for that and yeah there was no articulation at all so it's like they're coming in real hot here with the technology like they're they're pushing out the the absolute latest it's also possible strange thing to can. release the bare bones version before the sdk usually you would do the sdk first for for devs and then have them build things and then release that but i i have to respect uh, them for for getting this out before christmas i mean i think it really true. will blow blow yeah. a lot of people's minds or trying VR for the first time, or the first time in three you know, like years. Last night, I was it. I was showing my wife. I just had her look at pictures from my Google Photos account, and you know, being able to have your hands in there to you know click on back and do stuff like that. That alone was pretty neat. Just you know, photo I, viewing is is a cool use case for it. I had a conversation with an indie developer uh, last night about this, and I think that what's happening is is that they want all of these customers, all these consumers that have a quest to see the hand tracking work in its simplest form so that there's an excitement for it, which allows developers to say, Hey, there's interest in this new SDK. There's plenty mm. of SDKs out there that nobody supports. That's a good so point. Yeah. this is, I think maybe their advertisement. I'm going to switch seats here and I'm going to move over and see if there's any good comments. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Let's hope Harry doesn't teleport in while you're sitting there. If he does, we will just merge. No big deal. <laughs> uh, looks like Robin trippy says, yeah, it, doesn't hopefully some games get it uh let's see here drew dykster house need a rock paper scissors game to demo yes that's a perfect mm, that's game. a good idea yeah that that's is great. aperture hand labs yeah yep mm. yep yep <laughs> now i do know that in vr chat uh there are folks who are doing a special sign language uh mm-hmm. that yeah. people are using back and forth i wonder if vr chat will implement this sdk and give them true that would, hand that would be one of the best places to have hand tracking as vr chat especially and just oculus avatars in general mm-hmm. um you know as poker stars would be another great one to get hand tracking that would oh, be yeah. really excellent oh yeah yeah Mm-hmm. You can see people tapping their fingers on the table while they're... Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd actually have real tells in a poker game. Hmm. Um, let's see here. Oh, they merged. Oh, no. I'll get out of the way then. But but no mic. <laughs> nope. He, no, he teleported. He's over oh, there no, now. He's over there. Okay. Oh, no. He's phasing. Well, while Harry phases in and out of existence, an existential crisis of his, <laughs> uh, we'll move on. So let's go to the next topic here. Magic Leap. Magic Leap has sold a whopping 6,000 units in the first six month, months. And now they're pivoting to Enterprise. What? They're pivoting to Enterprise? Yeah. Ian, what's your hot take on this hot mess? 
Oh, hot take. I don't know. I don't know if the internet can handle my hot take on Magic League. Uh, <laughs> oh, I so I went to LeapCon, which was their first developers conference last year, and they oh, yeah. held off. They held off holding one this year, assuming to save money and wait until they have more things to to talk about. And it was like a Twilight Zone episode. That that whole, if I had to sum it up, that whole event was so much hype people you know demos in different rooms with you know you had to get permission to enter those rooms from the right people and they clearly had been working up to the last possible second to put together this massive event and you know there's a stage with what neil stevenson uh the person who uh, gaeta the person who made the special effects for the matrix and then roni uh the ceo together talking about uh the technology that they're building and it was just you know this sounds a lot like this sounds a lot like rust fest from their latest episode of silicon valley trace commas (laughs) yeah yeah it's how much Uh, they spent to get here (laughs) uh and yeah it was so weird because uh one of them got up on stage and said uh they announced a feature they announced a magic verse or one of those things and they looked at the audience and they said what is the magic verse and the, the person's on stage should be explaining us to us what the magic verse is. And they're asking the audience, you tell us what the magic verse is. And it's like so that 6,000 number, right? That I think that is shocking because yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but tilt fives Kickstarter had more than 6,000 backers. But they in so Jerry Ellsworth, uh, the CEO of tilt five has admitted and said, you know, Obviously, magically has shipped more products than we have because yeah, they they, yeah, they haven't sure. done it. But yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Six thousand is the so that 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 number comes from the information's report, very uh-huh. uh, solid report talking about the sort of situation going on in Magic Magic Leap. They've had some layoffs. They've slowed hiring, and uh, six thousand. I mean that the it wasn't just the six thousand in that article. They suggested that uh, they thought they were going to ship a hundred thousand. And they so six thousand. That's six thousand sold, or does that include free one cent to developers? Oh, good question. That could be because uh... I know they sent out a lot. It was sold, okay. but yeah, he, uh... voice voice Heaney mm-hmm. Heaney God says it was sold. Okay, but I mean those <laughs> things. The, the the reporting on this. All we have to go on and trust this number is that magically hasn't said that number was wrong. So I mean that's yeah. our best. Which I imagine indication. they would. Roni would very quickly refute things if they were that off base. Yeah. But What's how many the name there of were, there were hundred thousands of DKs for uh, Oculus Rift DK one and DK two. I think I can't remember the exact numbers. It was like it was big for DK two, and obviously Magic Leap has a long path ahead for building out a platform. But I just don't know that. At the bottom, if for people that aren't familiar, AR headsets have a way lower field of view for the augmentations than VR headsets. So, like on my VR headset right now, my Quest, I can see to here and here. So, if you're on the podcast, you can't see it. But I mean, there's a a wide range here. Whereas AR headsets can only get your augmentations to like here. And if you use the AR headset <clears throat> enough and focus you know, move your head around right in front of you. You can focus and see the augmentations directly in front of you. One of the ways I like to describe it to people is if you wear glasses, 
then um, if you, if someone that wears glasses, if you're nearsighted like me, your peripheral vision is very blurry. So mm-hmm. it's basically useless. So wearing a VR headset is like not having peripheral vision, basically. It's just a tunnel. But then an AR headset is like having bifocals. It's like a very tiny, tiny stamp of your view. And so it's just very, very, very small compared to a full VR headset. What was the name of their AI thing? Micah. Micah. All right. You you talked to Micah. You met Micah. I met Micah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) So I want to see somebody. Micah's son is, is Milo from Peter Molyneux. Oh, that's funny. I want to see somebody put like Micah, like sitting on a park bench, holding a sign saying like homeless or, you know, we'll work for bits or something oh, like that. Too soon. Is it too soon? <laughs> All right. Well, let's see what the uh, commenters have to say here. Oh, uh, let's see here. Magic leap design. Let's see. Drew Dykster house again. The magic leap design looks like it was drawn up by a programmer. Yeah. <laughs> Probably was. Uh, Magic Leap 1, James O'Laughlin. Magic Leap 1 is like six times more expensive than the Oculus DK. Well, yeah, it was. They were. I mean, it's it, yeah, hundreds versus thousands of dollars. Doing a lot more, I mean, though. In, the, in their defense, they're packing a lot of technology into that standalone, you know, not standalone. Yeah. It's a, a thing in your pocket or around your, hanging around a fanny pack. But uh, Does Neat Corporation have any interest in AR? Is that something that you guys have interest in making content for? Yeah, I mean, uh, for uh, for our uh, other game uh, called Garden of the Sea, we've been discussing doing that for oh, that. Oh yeah, that's that a good game. fit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but I mean, I'm not sure about like what the game design uh, uh, implications or ideas are currently. So uh, yeah, I'm I haven't been super involved in that game yet. Uh, yeah, speaking of, there is um, there are two AR games for Magic Leap from Insomniac that are like plant based games where you take care of like a tree that grows on like your table and stuff. And there's other plant based games too from yeah. from other companies too for that. It's like a yeah, I guess it's obvious to Seedling. yeah to, to put like a a house plant in your corner of your room that can suddenly grow up around your actual room is mm. a cool idea. Can't actually there's kill that it. one. There's that one aquarium thing from Magic Leap. I think they made it themselves that looked really impressive from the videos. Um, I think Tatiana tried it. She's not here today, but um, you know, it's kind of like you can see, you know, fish and stuff floating around. It's it's almost like a, an aquarium that goes with you, essentially. Kind of right. So you are you are in the aquarium, or what do you mean? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Hmm. You know, if uh, if anybody wants to uh, send me their used Magic Leap, I'd be really happy <laughs> to add that to my museum of dead technology. I have a nice little empty spot right next to my oh, Razor man. Hydra. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. My, my STEM, my STEM controllers. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, the Oculus SDK has dropped the mic and walked away from Samsung Gear VR. Uh, Ian, do you care? It was time, right? I mean, it was. It's tra- it's tragic for I don't know anyone still depending on that, but I mean, there's nobody still depending on that. So I could be wrong. I could hear from the people that are like, "I love my Gear VR," but I don't think they exist in serious numbers. I, I feel like all those people moved on to the Go, like they should have. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's no reason to have a Gear VR anymore. The Go is better, easier to use. Yeah, I mean, hmm. the, I, I will say I have a soft spot in my heart. For the gear because that is the headset that 
pretty much got me into VR. It was the first one that um, that I bought. I bought it back in late, I think, 2015. I bought a gear for my for my Samsung phone, and um, I I loved it. I after playing around with the gear, that's when I reached out to Ian and started writing for Upload. And you know, I've been here almost four years, so the gear was it was my gateway headset. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The Gear VR was kind of a gateway. It, it allowed people, normal consumers who didn't know anything about development kits. I mean, I don't want to develop anything. I just want to get on and look at 360 photos and videos and, you know, y'all pitch yeah, and roll my way to VR tried, success. You know, you know, like the DK and the I think Crescent Bay prototype and Morpheus mm-hmm. back when before it was PSVR and Morpheus. all those headsets I had tried at events, but... And um, the Gear VR was the first one that was like, oh, I can go on the internet and buy this and it'll be here in a couple of days. Okay, I'm going to get it. You know, it's an inter- it's an interesting analog to uh, what's happening with Magic Leap because I think it's five years now that they first shipped the Gear VR Innovator Edition and they specifically put the label on it, Innovator Edition. And they had that label on that kit for a long time and they wanted to let everyone know that this is not meant as a consumer product. They knew that it had all these limitations, lack of apps, all these different things. It would overheat. Uh, mm-hmm. Those sorts of things mm-hmm. made it a, a hard, frictionful thing. And then um, uh, there's stories out there. I think History of the Future, uh, the book by Blake Harris, sort of unfolded some of these things that happened behind the scene. But uh, I want to say it's John Carmack who pushed, who sort of criticized oculus for putting that innovator edition label on their stuff for so long he said you know we've got to rip that label off and let people know this thing is ready and Mm -hmm. uh i don't know it it, i think there's a a comparison there in that magically just removed the creator edition label from their product but i think it's still years away ar is still many several years away from being a compelling platform except yeah. for possibly the tilt five uh tabletop use case which is really cool and it's in its sort of implementation yeah hmm. marco any thoughts on the death of gear vr not really i mean the only thing that i ever tried on gear vr was a music video like way way back Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even remember what it was, but yeah. So I'm, I'm I have no sentimental feelings, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only sentimental feeling that I have about the Gear VR is because of the Gear VR. Uh, I have gone to numerous meetups and uh, uh, conventions and expos throughout the early years of VR, and everybody had a Galaxy Note Four. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd sit at a table with thirty people everybody has their galaxy note 4 out so yeah. i guess samsung made out at least a little bit mm. on that one. <laughs> and there and, uh, and on that point i think they're the likeliest to do a go competitor right i think i think samsung might see uh value in putting the best possible display in a very thin form factor vr headset so people can have a nice yeah, portable i would have, I would have expected that to come from google i would have thought they would have done you know to really more heavily lean into daydream like the mirage solo um or do their own headset but you know Mm -hmm. clearly that's not their focus anymore yeah oh well rip gear vr let's move on to the next piece of news google and their ar core is going to get depth api which basically means it's going to know how far away things are and be able to do real occlusion, which is something that AR Kit uh, from Apple has uh, been kind of championing 
championing. Yeah, that's a word. Uh, recently, uh, David, what, what's your thoughts on AR Core? Have you played around with it at all? <clears throat> yeah, uh, there there are a few games in the App Store. Um, most of them are, you know, kind of remind me of the like Oculus Share days of kind of like tech demo type stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool. Um, occlusion is definitely needed for it to really be an impressive use of AR, I think. for I mean, Pokemon Go, like, it's just an image of a Pokemon laid across whatever your camera's pointed at. It's not actually AR, really. Um, I know Niantic has shown demos of them having occlusion where Pokemon can hide behind things and hide behind people. And I think stuff like that is really cool. And having that in an AR game would make it a lot more impressive to me. I know there are, there are some cool horror games out there, like Night Terrors, that will, like, put zombies and haunted stuff in your house, which is pretty neat. Five Nights mm-hmm. at Freddy's AR just came out, and they do something similar. Um, so, I mean, there there's really cool potential there, but, um, you know, I, I definitely think occlusion was, you know, something sorely missing that is pretty much a, you know, necessary thing. Yeah, pretty for much. games at least, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there, there's things like... Um, you know, you can put furniture or shoes on your feet mm-hmm. or, you know, there's all sorts of fun applications for AR nowadays. Uh, the occlusion is just an obvious natural next step. Right. Basically. Right. Ian, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, I think people detection is the other thing that AR really needs. And it has to have really solid people detection to combine it with the occlusion because you want you're, you're often going to have other people in your camera when you're pointing it out, you know, pointing at things and. You want Pikachu to run around behind the people or, you know, yeah. so it's, and that's something iPhone and Apple do really well. They control the hardware quality on their platform extremely well, where Android runs on a wide variety of hardware. And sometimes some of these top end AR features don't flow out to all of the Android devices. They just are kept for the top tier devices. Hmm. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that there's so much, uh, you know, segmented uh, part of that industry for Android, but there's so many different hardware setups and everything. So that that becomes an issue when you're trying to develop an SDK like this. Um, I, I guess that's all we've got to say, really, about that AR core. Let's move on to the next piece. Oculus Quest voice commands and Link now works with AMD GPUs. Now, um, Ian, were you aware that Link wasn't working with AMD yeah, GPUs? I, but, I mean, we use NVIDIA usually. Uh, but, yeah, I, I did notice that was a big part of their sort of initial rollout is we made sure to include, you know, you're out of luck if you have an AMD. It's very, very good that, that they've added it so quickly. And I think they're going to try to add more, right? Um, so hopefully the entire Oculus Rift platform gets support. Everything that's supported by Oculus Rift now hopefully gets support over Link. Hmm. Okay. What about voice commands? Um, David, you talked earlier about the hand, uh, the hands controlling, you know, being able to see your hands, but what about being able to hear you? Is that a feature that you actually looked forward to or anticipated or even wanted? I didn't think about it too much, really. It's something that I was missing, but um i think it would actually really improve things at least for me because as someone that has several google homes throughout my house i you know use the google assistant pretty often i uh, use um voice to text quite often on my phone um you know not having to type 
with laser pointers would be great. If I could just say what I wanted it to input, that would be fantastic. Um, so I think that so would be. So you could just go into the browser then and just say, okay, open up uh, uploadvr.com and read all of David's articles. And There you go. That, that's the only the command guns. you need, really. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Marco, what's your, what's your opinion on voice commands? Uh, I like the idea a lot. I mean, it's uh, like from a game developer perspective, um, one of the reasons that at least I've felt like uh, it's it's been difficult to have uh, have like voice controlled things in uh, in games that I've worked on at least uh, has been that it's like uh, yeah not standardized or like it's difficult to access or like if like one version of like one uh, SDK works on a certain platform and uh, but doesn't work on others or whatever so so like if if uh, platforms get their own uh, own like uh, built-in versions of that, which are accessible to to dev developers. Then, uh, I mean, in theory, at least, might be easier to, you know, you just make sure that it like works on on the on each uh, platform's version of of uh, uh, voice recognition. So, so I mean, I, I think it's kind of exciting, actually. Uh, yeah, that's a good uh, point. I didn't think about that. There, there are some really cool games out there that use that. That. Uh, varying degrees of success i know aspire one um you can say freeze to a guard and they'll you know put their hands up and i think shadow legend has it where you read the dialogue choices instead of pointing and clicking on them which is a cool feature um stuff like that i you know anytime voice can be integrated into a vr experience i feel like it makes it just even more immersive so yeah um yeah that would be a great feature to have yeah, I, I like have i like the, to. totally i like the idea so much so yeah my only concern about voice commands is when I was doing development with the HoloLens, I recognized that it's very easy to troll people. We used to holo troll each other. You just walk up <laughs> behind somebody and you mm. yell, hey, Cortana, open blah, 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 blah. And then it opens up a bunch of stuff. Mm. Uh, something just dinged. Did I actually just- That was my watch. Cortana? Sorry. Oh, was it? <laughs> I was like, uh, what, oh, wow. Yes, yeah. I remember people used to do that with um, what was it? Connect on Xbox, where people would name yeah. their their gamer tag certain things, so people would say it out loud, and it would trigger their Connect to do things. Mm. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. My watch is sitting right next to a microphone, so that was like a. Yeah. No, it was just the timing was, that was perfect, perfect timing. I, I said, thought it was yeah. like a computer or something. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, what did I just tell Cortana to do? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So yeah, voice commands that could be fun. Uh, I, mean, I don't know why. That's they a good question, though. So I mean, Amazon named theirs Alexa, Microsoft mm -hmm. named it Cortana because Halo, and then Google is very unoriginal and named it Google. So what? What do you think Facebook would sit call Alex. for Oculus? Alex? Yeah. Really? Just, they're they're going to just, just go at everyone else like that? Yeah. They okay. they call their their TV device Portal. Oh, well, that's true. I, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's a good point mm. all right see what you did there so uh i was thinking carmack we could call it carmack we could call it uh palmer we could call it how zuckerberg about, how about mac daddy mac Daddy. how about main guy okay main there, guy. yeah main guy i like <laughs> that yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit a, a ticket Marco. is that what they call it submit a ticket and call yeah. it main guy marco's good too yeah, or polo that yeah. would work yeah. or a polo yeah 
But that's how you know it heard you. It'll say polo instead of chiming. It'll just say polo. Right. Yeah, I okay. like that. We're on to something. Like this is good. This nice. is good. I like it. All too. right. <laughs> so I think that's enough in terms of news. Let's Do move have any, on. any comments about uh, voices? Well, you know, the comments are a little light today. Uh, not a whole lot. So uh, if you are watching this live on our YouTube stream, feel free to go in and comment, and you might get your comment read live on the show. Uh, so while people are scrambling to go write us awesome stuff to read, let's talk about release of the week. So release of the week, we talk about games that we've played this week. Uh, Ian, I think we're going to start over here with you. What have you played this week? Boneworks. I, I completed Boneworks. Um, wow. Uh, it's an amazing game. Um, we gave it a four out of five. Uh, Jamie and I both completed it. He did the review, so go check that review out. We've got a video review on our YouTube channel, too. It's it's a divisive game, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's only divisive, like... I'm on Twitter all the time. You can find me on there. And I, I'm seeing the comments from VR devs. And VR devs have so many opinions about these products. And we obviously have our own opinions about these products. And those opinions can miss uh, the size of the audience for something like a Half-Life game, right? I mean, you, I, I can't help but see Boneworks and, and see things like Portal and Half-Life reflected in just the 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 sense of where you are the, the the writings on the walls the chain link fences you need to walk around there's just a, a real sense of valve inspiration there and and they have those boy, enemies that are basically face crabs but yeah. are married with robots from portal and VR and, and they, they essentially and they, mash them together yeah. and they try to force you into a virtual world when they jump on your head which is amazing such a cool concept mm. but it's it's also, but then again, you do the physics stuff just wrong, and you can make yourself sick, uh, uh, moving around in a really awkward way, and uh, that can. Uh, there's plenty of people out there that don't care that that happens. There's plenty of people there that will deal with that in order to just have something that's like that gives you the sense of being there in a virtual world that you love, like. Half-Life that you grew up on or, or, or lived on a flat screen earlier, they'll they'll deal with that. They won't have the stomach problems that lots of other people and the stomach problems mm. people can just skip the game. They don't need to play it. Yeah. I'm actually going to switch seats here uh, so that way we can see because I see there's some comments rolling in now. And uh, James O'Loughlin wants to know, does Boneworks make people sick? I've heard it was very con inconsiderate towards comfort interesting way of pointing it putting it what which is not good if true uh it does it make you sick ian does it make you sick david i i got sick several times and had to take a uh, lay down okay oh, ian okay just, there he goes just noped out of the rest of the show that's cool <laughs> uh so hot question here from todd haskell vr versus reality which is better so david which is better vr or real reality I'm going to say real reality because then you have the option for of going now. into VR. <laughs> All right. right. Marco, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. For now. Eventually. So real reality yeah. for now. Okay. <laughs> um, on the, on the Boneworks topic too, I just want to echo a few of Ian's uh, comments there. We, we reached out to uh, stress level zero to ask them 
about um, comfort options if they plan to include more. Like, um, I know it's a smooth locomotion-only game. That's a huge part of it. You need the physics. You need the yeah. the kinetic physicality of movement. You know, teleporting would not fit really. Um, it wouldn't allow you to do a lot of the things you're supposed to do in that game that are part of the design. Yeah. But even just something like field of view dimming or mm. the ability to adjust, you know, your acceleration or, you know, change, change things to make it a little bit more comfortable for some people would be great because I, it's hard for me to, to notice those things. Cause I have never been VR sick before. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of talk to Ian because he is still very, very, very sensitive, even though he spends tons of time in VR. Um, mm-hmm. He just, you know, it's still very sensitive for him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I noticed I can tell Boneworks clearly is a game that's going to make people sick. I mean, it's, yeah. um, you know, the physics alone go wonky sometimes and um, just the way the movement works. And a lot of the game, one of the core mechanics that you have to do a lot is jump. And that's a button press on your controller that you can't replicate with your body. Um, so that's, you know, something that in and of itself is just going to throw people off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a, tr- it's a tricky thing because, you know, the polar opposite, the other big release of the week, budget cuts Two, is a game that is only teleport, you know, teleporting yeah. is a core design element with the gun that shoots you and teleports. And I mean, it's, it's about as polar opposite as you can get. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of yeah, interesting. Basically. Those are the two big games this week. Yeah, it is. I, I, I actually like, I mean, I really like that, uh, stress level zero had have like gone like all in with, uh, with uh, making yeah. like a smooth locomotion game only, like like so many things, like you said, uh, that are part of the core design of that game. Like they wouldn't be able to like include certain things if uh, if they had, uh, yeah, if they if they had if they had uh, other options as well. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, a lot of Oculus Studios games nowadays are uh, smooth only. Like Asgard's Wrath, Stormland, um, you know those games are smooth locomotion only. I think from other, no, from other Suns had the weird third person view. Um, so I mean, a lot of games are going in that direction if they're trying to emulate, you know, non VR gameplay a lot. Um, but you know, let, let's talk about budget cuts too. Your guys's movement system is, you know, a gun that you have in your hand and you shoot it, and then where that orb lands, you have a mm. portal that you can look at to preview where you're going to be teleporting to. Um, you right. know, so that's that is the main mechanic of the entire game. So I mean, if that was mm. gone, the game would be entirely different, right? So I mean, yeah. you know, the whole game is built around that. Exactly. I mean, it is like our take on how how would you do? I mean, it, every everything sort of like uh, fits together because, like mm-hmm. like you said, it's it is uh, the core mechanic. Uh, and like everything stems out from how we originally felt motion sick in VR uh, when we started working on the game, and but we still wanted level design. Uh, like it's like we didn't want to make like a game in this case where you just stand still and do something in one spot. So we were like, okay, so how do we fix this? Yeah, we could teleport around, but you know, just pointing and clicking is boring. Uh, so we added like a thing that flies away, and then like when you're when the ball lands over there, you don't necessarily immediately want to go over there. You want to know what it's like over there first to sort of simulate the idea of looking around corners, you know. So we added the portal so you can like get a preview of where you would end up. 
So yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it does stem from from being motion sick, but we still want to make the action of uh, teleporting fun and part of the core design. So, so yeah, yeah everything, and I will everything, say that yeah. um, as someone that personally doesn't get motion sick, and I always, anytime I have the option of smooth movement in a game, I turn it on. I always do smooth movement. I never teleport if I don't have to, but I still, you know, loved and appreciated the, you know, care that went into the way that the teleport works in budget cuts because mm. it is the foundational element of the experience. Yeah. It's not, you know, Skyrim with teleport to me is terrible. I, I want to be able to move mm. through that world, you know, and mm. freely explore it, not, you know, magically teleport which you know i guess it fits skyrim better than others you can just imagine it's a spell or whatever but mm, it just mm. it does it takes me out of it so but you, because you have a gun that is attached to your hand with you know a portal device and all those things that so yeah. much thought has gone into it it doesn't take me out of it it, it becomes part of the experience and so i yeah. think that's the same way our... bone works works with yeah. their smooth movement right like you can't I could not yeah. imagine just looking up somewhere and teleporting onto a ledge. I have to physically climb up there. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, that the is difference. the game. Yeah. I mean, it's, right. yeah, it wouldn't work. Yeah. At least I um, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we have any, uh, any other comments there about, about uh, either of those? Yeah. There's not a whole lot. Somebody wanted to know, uh, let's see. Drew Dykster house wanted to know if budget cuts two is going to come out on quest. I don't know. What do you think, Marco? Uh, probably not in a while, at least. Okay. But like, okay. no promises. I I really like the platform. Uh, but yeah, we, we developed for uh, uh, PC first in this case. Uh, Makes so sense. Yeah, the for, original is for, coming to Quest, though, right? Um, we're not... Is that like, true? We haven't haven't decided yet, so I oh, know PSVR. Like, PSVR is where it's yeah, coming. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're working on the I've, PSVR version, yeah. There you go. That's right. That's true. Uh, fast travel games. Hey, Marco, wave to us <laughs> watching at the studio. Hey, fast travel. <laughs> Love you guys. Did a great uh, the next, so the, the hot topic, I think, is our next discussion, right? And it's a bummer it Ian is. won't be here for it because this I was... was yes. Yeah. Oh, you're stealing my thunder, David. I love it. Yes, the hot topic of the week. Facebook's social integration text chat user events etc uh, i always feel like somebody's watching me because they're going to use that data collection in the oculus platform and do targeted ads and the logic here is that facebook knows that you are a vr person so therefore you can get vr ads since you've already bought into this system this ecosystem you are going to appreciate the ads now how much are they actually getting from us in the headset and what are they actually really doing so i don't know david what's your take on this uh for me personally uh i've always been of of the mind that um everything on the internet that I use is already tracking me, right? You know, Google knows everywhere I go. They know everything that I look at on the internet. They know my interests. They know my personal details. All that stuff is out there for companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and all those places that I use my real name and I use my real information. So to me, 
saying that you know Facebook is going to monitor and look at the things I do in VR and then use that to serve me ads that are more relevant to my interests, that isn't a bad thing to me. I mean, I understand the the privacy implications and the concern that it's a slippery slope and, oh, it's going to lead to all these terrible things like Ready Player One style ads in your field of view and it's going to ruin everything. And maybe in the future that might come to pass in the worst timeline. But, you know, if responsible decisions are made and people, you know, support things that are good and, you know, like it doesn't mean that the entire premise of the whole concept of social integration in VR is a bad thing. That That's kind of my perspective on it, that, you know, if it means on Facebook when I'm scrolling, I'll see an ad for a VR game instead of an ad for like face cream that that's not bad to me. Like uh, I'll take it. That's yeah. Yeah. I have to agree because I personally have the experience of going to some tech forum or something. And while I'm searching around, uh, I noticed that there are ads randomly placed throughout the forum for things like Barbie, American Girl, Kinects, uh, Roblox, things that I don't do, but everybody else in my family does. So <laughs> to have those ads be targeted at me, this guy, uh, I would love that to have VR stuff. Like I'd like to see an ad for Budget Cuts 2 show up instead of another ad for a $300 accessory kit for a doll that is too expensive. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Marco, what do you think about Facebook and ads? Do you want them to be targeted? Do you care? I don't care a lot. Um, no, <laughs> I don't have any, any particular comments, really. Honestly. Good. That's, yeah, a lot that's of people good. on. I feel like a lot of people on Twitter were pretty upset. It. Um, I, I tweeted about it yesterday that it was, you know, arguably one of the things that people feared whenever Facebook bought Oculus, and I think that's true. That yeah. this was one of the major concerns that people had. Yeah, um, I remember but, that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like, how much of it is hating Facebook because they're Facebook, and how much of it is hating the actual thing that's happening? Well, let's move over to this seat here. I just love moving back and forth like this. This is brilliant. Uh, let's see what kind of comments, because you'd think that something like this would be pretty big. Uh, Chris Gould disconnected my Facebook account. Haven't been on Facebook for years. You cannot get rid of all sinister, but you can do what you can. Okay. Well, yeah. If you don't it's, like it, leave. To that point, you know, Facebook a Facebook account is not required at the moment for anything Oculus, right? So you don't have to connect Facebook. You can have your Oculus account separate. Um, and if you do that, then obviously these ads won't affect you because it is through Facebook that they're doing this. Um, that being when, said, when Horizon comes out, that will require Facebook, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a Facebook app. So you will log into a Facebook account. I think ideally the idea is they want people to log into their actual account so you know who people are. Um, that's the whole point of it, you know, like it's, you know, accountability and all that. But, um, you know, currently there is nothing on the Oculus program. Uh, no, wait, I take that back. Venues. Venues. You have yep. to log into Facebook to use venues. That's right. Mm -hmm. One of the so, nice yeah, uh, things that, uh, uh, that Oculus did, like in uh, regards to this, uh, to the Facebook uh, yeah, data collection. They actually like when I logged in to to Oculus Home uh, today. They there was a question like, "Do you want to disconnect your uh, Facebook account?" I, I guess that was like because of this that they added this question. Oh, like, they, when they asked in. you if you wanted to disconnect. Yeah, that was like 
that was interesting and unexpected ah. that they would actually like I mean I thought that was kind of nice that they actually ask you when they changed the yeah so I, I don't know I thought that was that was kind of cool yeah so we have some comments here uh from our uh download and uh let me let me take a look at here Impure Kind says it was inevitable that this was the entire point of Facebook get into the space. I just hope I don't have to suffer ads on the VR headset I bought and paid for at any point. Have yeah. ads on whatever free crap and use my <laughs> Oculus data if you must, but don't bleep force any such thing into my VR headset with any stuff I've actually paid for. That's uh, all I I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And I'm going to say, like, in, in Oculus Home, if I were to see an ad, maybe for a game that I didn't have, you know, maybe it was on sale or is a new game, you know, more than just a feature tab in the store, like, literally in my home, like, maybe there was a sign that came up. You know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think if it's integrated into VR, it could potentially make things more immersive. You know, you're seeing ads for things in VR. I, I mean, I, I know that's that's kind of what people fear and all that stuff, but... I, I kind of think it would be cool. Like if every time I played a game, uh, every time I played project cars, that billboard I drove by was a different mm-hmm. ad. That'd be kind of cool. Like that, that to me, that would be kind of neat. You know, I'm, I, yep. I, that's not a popular opinion, but that's what I think. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, it looks like Mike VR is taking a little bit of a sarcastic approach to it. So I'm going to see ads for new quest games on Facebook. Oh no, the horror! Sell your quests. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Uh, Johan Jensen. So what? Who needs this useless social stuff? VR is for escaping real life for a little while and get away from others, isn't it? Uh, sometimes yeah, that's a common perception. And one thing I will say though is that I know a lot of people are upset about this. A lot of people, especially on Twitter, I've seen a lot of negative reactions to it. If I were HTC or Valve. I would try to capitalize on this in some way. I would, you know, put out a new ad of some kind that emphasizes how disconnected your experience is. You know, just, I think there is an opportunity there. If, if I were a rival company, you know, similar to how back at E3 when the Xbox One was announced, they announced that you couldn't share game discs originally, that you had to register that disc with your console and you couldn't trade or share disc at all. Then Sony released a video saying, oh, here's how you share games on PS4. <laughs> and it was two executives handing the game to each other. And that was the whole video. That was hmm. hilarious. So hmm. I think there's an opportunity here from HTC or Valve to do something, you know, not too pointed, maybe a little tongue in cheek. But, you know, I think I think they could foster a little goodwill, which I think, you know, especially HTC could could use. Um, you know, I don't think the Cosmos had the reception they were thinking it would. So I think there's some opportunity there. Well, I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of bundle this all up in a nice little Christmas present for our audience and just say that between david and me and we'll just go ahead and throw ian in there i know he'll appreciate that we're great with all of the ads we're fine with it we're okay with it so just ian let is it gonna happen. be so mad he wasn't here for this conversation because he's very much i'm pretty sure he's very much on the other side of this so it's it's a bummer he wasn't here for it but i'm sure yeah. we'll hear about it on twitter he'll he'll uh, he'll tweet his thoughts See, I've been looking for the perfect Christmas present for Ian. Uh, you know how they have blue blockers uh, or a brand of glasses. I've been looking for ad blockers for him, but I can't <laughs> find them anywhere. Uh, there's something. Somebody make a spoof video out of that. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, 
are there any other thoughts on ads or should we just roll right into the uh, interview here? No, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much everything for me. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. And just one more quick look here at the, uh, Greg's VR says HTC are in no position to talk smack. LOL. Um, I can't read that name. What does that say? Blam. Okay. I'm not reading that name. Facebook has found that they can fill up to 85% of your field of view with ads before <laughs> inducing seizures. All right. So That's Facebook ready, turns ready into one reference. Yeah. Absolutely. Jordan Sorrento. Is that his name? Sorrento? Yeah. 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 Nolan Sorrento. Yeah. Nolan Sorrento. Uh, there you go. Freya Homer. It's important yeah, to recognize the issues of mass non-consensual data collection combined with the profit motive of our economy, though. And I do recognize it. And I recognize that in a free economy like this, you got to pay for stuff. I mean, the headsets themselves could cost way more uh, if Facebook wasn't selling them for a loss or HTC or yeah, Valve or that, whoever. What's that really common, um, not common, but that popular quote, I can't remember who it's from, that you know, if the platform is free, you are the product or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Facebook is free. So, you know, you are the one that's being sold to, you know, yeah. advertisers. Is, is that the, is that Kierkegaard or Nietzsche? I don't know. I don't remember I that have, quote. I have no idea. Freya, by the way, is uh, is one of the founders at Neat Corp as well. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I think that's good for the comments here and uh, for this section of the show. So uh, everybody who's watching right now, stay tuned. We'll switch up the set a little bit and we'll get into the interview between Marco and David here and uh, talk about what's going on at uh, the neat corporation offices. So, uh, all right, stay tuned. Yeah. Before we do that, a little housekeeping items first. There you go. Um, remember, today is Thursday. That means tomorrow is Friday, which means a new VR recap episode will be here on our YouTube. Uh, that's where we round up all the news. So if you miss part of the podcast, if you wanted just a more quick and dirty, digestible, three to four minute long recap of news, you can watch that video here on our YouTube. Uh, we also go through uh, comments. We go through the releases of the week again in the VR recap. But then the big thing is we also do a giveaway every week. So uh, this week we're going to be giving away uh, a physical copy of Gollum on PSVR, as well as the physical vinyl of the soundtrack. We have some of those to give away. Um, I think we have another giveaway that we're going to combine with that as well. I think that's right. Um, uh, Radial G Proteus on Oculus Quest comes out next week. We have some keys for that we're giving away. So that's all going to be on VR Recap tomorrow. Um, right now, Jamie and Zena are out of town in Japan. But while they're there, they're going to be filming some more content for the VR Culture Show which is our non-gaming show on YouTube where we do interviews and event coverage. And um, there's something else. We have, oh, that's right. Budget Cuts 2 came out. We have our video review and written review at UploadVR.com. Boneworks, that came out. We have a review at UploadVR.com and here on our YouTube. And uh, I think that's that's pretty much everything. If you didn't see the Holiday VR Showcase, you can check that out on YouTube as well. We um, had an hour full of announcements and footage of new VR games. and uh, Great stuff. But yeah, so I'm I'm ready to interview you. Let's do it. All right, everybody, hold on, stay tuned. Here comes the I'm interview. Stamp, I'm gonna stamp my fingers, and we'll we'll teleport in just a minute. Well, hello again, Marco. I'm David hello. Jagno from Upload, as you learned earlier. And uh, can you say your full name and title and everything again? 
Yeah, my name is Marco Permanto. Uh, I'm a game designer and programmer at Neat Corporation. Awesome, awesome. And uh, you guys just released Budget Cuts 2, which just came That's out right. today. And uh, yeah. did you work on the original game as well? Yeah, I did. I uh, I uh, was there from the from the start. Awesome, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna take some time to chat about a little b- about your career, about New Corporation, about budget cuts, and specifically the sequel. Obviously, that came out today. And mm-hmm. If anyone has any questions, you can feel free to let me know. I do have access to chat here, so I can relay any of your questions to Marco. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. So. Uh, I guess we can start by uh, just telling me a little bit about your experience in uh, development and VR. Um, you know, what brought you to Neat Corporation to to found the studio, all that stuff. Well, where what were you doing before? Right, uh, right before uh, Neat Corp, I worked at Pokebook uh, making children's mobile apps, which was uh, really nice uh, as well. But yeah, the uh, I guess like. Yeah, sometime I think it was like summer 2015. Uh, Freya and uh, and Jenny, or the other founders, uh, got a hold of a uh, hold of a yeah Vive uh, Vive uh, dev kit, and I begged to be part of trying out the first experiments, basically, and they agreed, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, sort of. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, That's awesome. Yeah, Do you? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you, do you remember any particular standouts of those demos that you tried that, that really stood out to you? Uh, primarily, I guess, uh, I guess uh, Tilt Brush was like the the first thing that like really impressed me uh, mm. back then. Like, but that, that was like before. Yeah, that was like before before the actual release uh, of the uh, HTC Vive. So there wasn't a lot of things. I think there were like five things. But I mean, I, I really liked all of the the things that were there. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. they were all all really really cool things. Awesome. The job simulator and uh, and space pirate trainer and so on. They were obviously yeah. all really good games. Yeah, job simulator was a really big one for for me for showing VR to people because mm. uh, the way that game is designed, it's so intuitive, and you don't have to press any buttons other than just picking something up. Right, and uh, yeah. you know, I put my wife in there. She's not a gamer at all, and she played for over an hour straight. Yeah, and, uh, that was that was that moment was when I was like, okay, you know, this is. I think VR is, you know, it, it's here. You know, it's it's going to take time. It's slow, but it it's finally here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the experience was basically. I mean, the user experience was so good from from the get go with the Vive. Uh, you know, so yeah. Awesome. Um, and then budget cuts, you know, that was that was a game when the Vive came out. There was a demo already, right? Mm. That was one of the original experiences people were really excited about. It was featured in all the marketing ads for the Vive. And um, you know, can you take me back a little bit and tell me about you know just where that idea for budget cuts came from? And um, you know, such a unique movement mechanic that the game's built around, and you know, really a, a universe that comes alive more so than a lot of VR games. You know, it feels like a real a real world and just tell me right. where all that came from, those ideas. I mean, originally, the game was just us experimenting with things that are fun in VR. Uh, I mean, we, we noticed that, like, uh, obviously throwing things was really cool because that was, like, different from what you could do with, a con- con- like, a regular controller. So throwing things was very, it felt obviously fun for us uh, and just 
like super simple basic interactions which you which you do like in real life like opening drawers and like looking for stuff uh yeah and just like how immediately menacing uh enemies felt uh in a vr game uh, compared to your average shooter you know uh just having the like their presence in vr and you know having a gun pointed at your face like just felt <laughs> too real in a in a yeah. weird way that i hadn't experienced before so so yeah once we like started to uh see those things which are like like these are obviously fun things and uh, then we started to like build this idea around a game that we would want to make um mm, and the okay. uh, the name comes from uh, from an older idea that uh, Jenny and Freya had uh and yeah we were like basically started making a a, a VR version of of that game idea uh, and uh, and eventually the game evolved into what it is today basically and yeah mm, the, okay. the the locomotion mechanic with the teleporter gun that we have or the translocator as we call it uh, that came from and i think we mentioned it earlier that that came basically from uh, us like really like uh, us having uh, experience in uh, level design previously, like we really enjoy doing level design. So it felt kind of like a bit sad that like making a, a game where you just stand still doing stuff uh, here. Um, obviously there are really cool games that work like that and I really enjoy them. But in our case, we wanted to make something that had uh, had like uh, space you could move around in basically. So. Yeah. So in order to make that as fun as possible, we started to work on those, uh, yeah, the different aspects of how the translocator works with the the arc of the ball and the time it takes to land and the fact that you have a portal to preview where you're going to end up and so on. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. And um, here's a very specific question we have from a viewer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Jarillo says they... Um, want to buy budget cuts too but they're curious to know how annoying adam is um that was something i didn't mention in my review just because i don't you know typically try to go into spoilers too much when right. i review stuff but um you know if if you're if you're watching this isn't too much of a spoiler it's just it's a late game you know enemy type type situation yeah. um i guess that they found him annoying in the first one is that um ha has he changed dramatically in this one can you kind of explain and talk about that some uh i mean it is difficult to uh, talk about without going into spoilers, but uh, sure. the experience is different with Adam okay. this time around. That's a good it's way not, of putting it. It's yeah. not the same, obviously, but yeah. we, like we we did that encounter once, and we like it's not the same. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he he's he's definitely there with his with his uh, yeah menacing presence. Yeah. I think sure. that's a good way of putting it. I think. Um... You know, just the way uh, there was another question earlier about what's the biggest difference between the first and second game. I think, um, you know, you feel free to chime in, you know, as well. But I, for me, I think some of the biggest differences were obviously the bone arrow that mm -hmm. dramatically changes things because um, you now have a a longer range weapon that doesn't require you know you to throw and aim things as much. It's more about you know, aiming precision and releasing an arrow, and you know you have. I feel like it adds a little bit more flexibility and there's also um, more danger in that because you can't teleport while shooting as well. Cause it's a two handed weapon. 
Right. And um, the level designs are much larger and more open yeah. as well. You know, outdoor environments and a lot of layers and, you know, going between buildings. And um, so exactly. the, the game itself feels, um, it feels, I think the what I said in my reviews, it felt like a more fully realized vision of the world is kind sure. of how I interpreted it. And um, I think those are the biggest differences. And that kind of feeds into the encounter with Adam as well, because the game is, you know, it feels like it's a more, um, just it's a grander version of the game. And so it's, so it just kind of feeds into that as well. So I think, um, you know, f- feel free to also elaborate on that if you want about the main differences. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on the main points for sure. Uh, just like with the original game, uh, where the translocator drives our entire game design, uh, the bow and arrow obviously had a huge role in the level design this time around. Basically, the levels are uh, a bit more open and, you know, giving you possibilities to use the bow and arrow in an effective way. Uh, so, yeah, it, it drives the level design quite a lot. But there are still definitely situations which feel uh, similar to the original, and it's still just as possible to either uh, stealth your way around the entire game or go full Rambo, if you if you like. <laughs> So is it is it possible to beat the game without ever killing a robot? It is, yeah. I can't even imagine that. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I left. We, we, a, we had, sorry, yeah. I just want to say I left a trail of oil and dead bodies in my wake. That right, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is possible. We had a we had one uh, of the beta testers specifically wanted to wanted to do this, and there was a. Yeah, I mean, and apparently they succeeded. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, I haven't I haven't done impressive. it. So I don't know. Uh, I don't okay. I don't know for sure, but I mean, it's like it's it is uh, at least our intention that it's supposed to be possible. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, here's a funny comment from Mind Jive. Um, they remember bumping their headset on the floor in the original demo, trying to look through the floor hole. And um, yeah. that was something I did again while playing this. It's actually in my video nice. review. That if you if you if you pay attention, you'll see the moment where I tried to poke my head through a, a ceiling panel and look under, and yeah. um, the the camera kind of jitters for a second because I hit my yeah. headset. <laughs> yeah, we looked at the review and we were we everyone like at the uh, at the office said bonk <laughs> when, yeah. when we did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then there there was the encounter with the uh, the first time you meet that the shielded enemy where I was in the floor mm. vent behind him, kind of I was literally laying on the ground and he started to notice me, so I rolled out of mm. the way and then I rolled back to shoot the arrow. Nice, it's, um, you know, budget cuts. It's it's a game that really incentivizes that kind of movement that even sure. though it's a teleport game, you know, I was on the ground crawling. I was doing things that I haven't done in a VR game in a while. Mm. And, um, you know, I feel like that's, is that something that you guys really want to encourage players to do while definitely. they're playing budget cuts? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, that's also part of the core game design back from, from the original game as well. Uh, I mean, we want to embrace the full body experience when you, when you play in a, uh, either a standing or a room scale uh, setup. Uh, that being said, uh, Budget Cuts Two is like uh, we had we had uh, had in mind people playing seated and uh, and uh, uh, standing like in a more like making that more like part of the core core design to allow that type of uh, play as well. 
um, compared to Bodycuts 1, which was very like originally at least designed to be a room scale only experience. And eventually we started adding like uh, support for, uh, for um, forward facing and, and so on. So it, it's to some degree, I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, the game suffered slightly uh, for players playing forward facing setups uh, and especially seated was almost impossible uh, in, yeah. in the original but uh, but it's uh, different this time around so it's definitely a viable way to play uh, play in budget cuts too but yeah i mean cool. it is it is, uh, it is uh, definitely one of those games where we expect you to physically duck behind waist high things to to hide yeah, yeah. and it's 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 almost like i had to kind of you know, re almost rewire my brain a little bit in terms of playing VR because I feel like whenever VR headsets were first coming out, um, there was a lot of games that experimented with that kind of stuff. You know, mm. budget cuts was there. There was um, a game called um, I can't remember the name. Oh, I can't remember the name. It started with a U, I think. Where the whole game was about you know like cl- crawling through vents and it re- unseen diplomacy. Thank you, Heaney. Yes, and that was a big demo with the, when the Vive first came out. And, um, you know, the gallery and all, all that kind of stuff that was very physical and movement and super hot as well. And I feel yeah. like in the past couple of years, it's, you know, we've kind of gone back towards a lot of games that are very, you know, stick movement based and, um, you know, maybe use your hands a lot, but you can just play standing. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's refreshing to go to a game that is very, sure. you know, VR first. It's like, I literally cannot even imagine a scenario where this game would work outside of VR. Like not, you know, no, not yeah. only like it's just it just wouldn't work, right? I mean, it's it's designed for VR from the ground up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like that being said, I like that there are games which are which are like uh, you know traditional stick movements. Uh, you know, it, it feels kind of like a like a non VR game, but still in VR with like VR elements. I like uh-huh. that those games exist as well because then that means that you can play different types of games basically i mean i think every every addition to to the you know vr market is uh, positive so so yeah budget cast is one of those games where where you move a lot, around a lot physically and and uh, then you can play something else that's like more relaxed and has basically sure. yeah i know and so, uh, in- yeah. interesting uh, sorry, interesting thing about Budget Cuts too is you guys partnered with Fast Travel Games yeah. um, for the development. And can you can you talk about what that was like? And you know, just from an indie studio perspective, what is it like partnering with another you know indie studio to make a sequel to your own original IP? That's kind of a very unique scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I uh, I don't know how it usually works like in other <laughs> companies so i have nothing to compare with honestly but uh, the sure. the collaboration has been really great they did an amazing job and uh, yeah i mean it would have been impossible to have the amount of content that the game has without them basically so so yeah it was a really fruitful collaboration for sure uh, i don't know how much it, detail you can give but i mean how you know, like I guess workflow wise, how was that yeah, arrangement? I mean, Were there like some things that Neat did, some that Fast Travel did? Was it collaborative? You know, just from top to bottom, or how? how did yeah, it work we exactly? we tried to, I mean, keep it uh, as top to bottom as possible, okay, so that everyone could like 
uh, chime in on on uh, on game design things and level design things and like just uh, point out that I would like to work on this thing. Uh, would that work and so on? So, so we we tried to keep it to to that level as much as possible. But like, uh, yeah, there there would definitely be parts that I could point out that like uh, fast travel worked more on. Uh, than we did and so on but i'll probably leave those types of uh, things for the future maybe it's probably best if like people currently at least like yeah play it as like the coherent whole as it is because it mm-hmm. is like a yeah a full collaboration where we both did 50 50 uh, working on different parts awesome uh, but yeah we 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 used to share offices way back uh and that's basically when the ideas started flowing for, oh, for uh, collaboration. Uh, and eventually we uh, we moved apart into uh, separate bigger offices. And uh, but we still like uh, sit like very close to each other. The their office is like maybe three hundred meters away or something like that. So it's like <laughs> really really close. Uh, so yeah, we okay. We, I'm sure that that makes things much easier. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they yeah. they would come over here multiple times a week, and we would uh, chat about things. And during certain periods, they uh, like some of the uh, fast travel games. People sat in our offices uh, for certain periods of time, and so on. So right, yeah. right. Cool, cool. Um, here, here's a funny question from Wrench.se. Question to you, Marco: Of all your audio contractors, which is your favorite? Asking for a friend. Uh, would probably be. I'm sorry. Uh, Wrench is, <laughs> is our audio contractor. I guess. Yeah, that's I, I, I figured. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, a close um, friend um, of mine. Really good at good at making music. Oh, and, okay. And sound. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a great job to Wrench. You know. Yeah. Kudos to him. Amazing him or her. music. Um, Jarillo, the person that was asking about Adam earlier, said they just picked it up based on uh, our conversation and are downloading it now. Nice. Yep. So I hope you enjoy Jarillo. If you yeah. are interested, you can uh, watch or read my review. It's spoiler free. It's um, here on our upload via our YouTube channel and on the website. Uh, the written review is about twice as long as the video. I had to cut out a lot for the video to cram it in there. But um, mm. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I haven't I haven't talked about it very much in terms of you know my impressions, but I gave it a four out of five. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty much top to bottom improvement over the original. Yeah. And uh, so kudos to your team and to Fast Travel and uh, you, Freya, Jenny. Congrats on the release, and I hope it hope it does very well for you guys because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, and um, if you if anyone has any final questions for Marco here, uh, let us know. And uh, we will make sure to to ask them as long as there are things that you can talk about, um, you know, because I think earlier we talked about um, the original budget cuts is coming to PSVR, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what the time frame of that is? I mean, uh, I think last time we publicly sp- spoke about it was supposed to come uh, like, yeah, fall 2019. Uh, but I guess it's time to like openly say that it's going to be delayed to uh, q1 2020 uh, sure. so yeah that's that's basically when it's coming out cool cool yeah. and um that is um a, pr- a pretty cool announcement because that was a game that i think i'm um, back whenever the psvr came out that was one of the key games that was like no this is a pcvr game you know like it's not going to be on psvr and 
Um, what were some of the struggles of porting that down to PSVR? Because that's a 180 platform. You know, if you stand up or move too much, you get out of the camera field of view. It can lose yeah. tracking easily. You can't really turn around. Um, we know what, what were the challenges of porting a game like budget cuts to that? Well, uh, basically we had to, we had to do things that are like, for example, the, the crawl spaces in, uh, in between, you know, above the ceiling spaces in, in uh, budget cuts one is a like big part of that game. You, you crawl around in the ceiling spaces and look down at, uh, at the supervisors as they're called the enemies and maybe, drop down knives or whatever or like plan your attack from those those vantage points uh, that aspect of the game for example we had to implement uh, an auto ducking feature so that when you teleport up to those spaces you become smaller um, uh, for example okay and, that makes sense and, it's and like, it's unfortunate but it does make sense i mean it does work way better than i uh, originally expected i was like sort of like feeling kind of grumpy about doing it but <laughs> you know i mean i've been playing it a lot and it's a super polished uh, experience so so i don't yeah. see any problems in practice once now that it's been implemented and implemented well so um, it's a it's a cool yeah, game on it certainly PSVR. seems like a, a worthwhile compromise i just know that yeah having played it on pc you know it's Whenever I'm teleporting over, you know, up into a ceiling or something like that, being and seeing the the green view of, you know, I can't stand there, having to remember to duck. That's it's just one of those like uniquely VR things. Sure. That's unfortunate that you know, but I mean, it, it's nothing to do with the game. It's a hardware limitation, so it's something you have to work around. Mm. Yeah, that um, was one of the things. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, otherwise, otherwise, just making sure that everything works as smooth as you would want it to uh you know just being able to because you you uh, you have to kind of expect that the player is going to play seated that's going to be like the most common uh, way of playing on psvr at least that's what I, the impression that i've got so we've mainly made sure that that, that uh style of play works as yeah. well as standing standing will still obviously work uh equally well on psvr if you have your uh, hardware set up correctly so uh, that will work but yeah just yeah. making sure that that feels natural you can grab things at a distance and so on you know uh, yeah just making sure that it's smooth uh, there's a quick question from k asante about um, bugs in the original game i know when the game first came out, there were quite a few bugs that people had had mm. uh, issues getting past. I know Jamie at Upload had some bugs that he had issues with. Um, from from my understanding, most of those are fixed now, right? They're, they're asking because they never went back to finish the game, but okay. most of those mm. uh, issues are are resolved now. I'm assuming. Yeah, most of them definitely. Unfortunately, yeah. Budget Cuts One still has bugs that are sure quite embarrassing. Uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, but the idea is basically that, I mean, we've been really swamped with with uh, shipping uh, budget cuts too. So yeah, of course. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to to you know support the the original game as much as we would like uh, because we're a small team. We're we're ten people uh, at Neatcorp, uh, and I think fast travel is <laughs> slightly more maybe unsure. But yeah. Uh, yeah. To respond to the question though, from what I've I haven't heard of anyone having quote game breaking issues since the you know, first couple month patches mm -hmm. came out. I, 
I think all those should be resolved. So if you haven't played it, you can. I would encourage you to go back and play it because it does connect narratively to this one. It, near budget cuts, yeah, so you can yeah. play without having played the first one, but I think it will improve the experience and your appreciation Definitely. for it if you played the first one. Sure. The, our and, plan uh, is to is to uh, port over fixes from from uh, budget cuts two to budget cuts one uh, as oh, soon great. as we have time, basically to make sure that it's equally polished. Yeah, that's cool. The plan. That's awesome. And uh, both are available on Steam in a package, right, for a slight discount. Yeah. So if you haven't played either, you can buy them together for a little bit of a cheaper price. Sure. And, um, yeah, so are there any other final notes or comments you want to make about the release, about about Neat or um, anything like that at all? Yeah, I don't know. Just hope you really enjoyed the game. I, I guess that's that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's the. I guess that's the. At the end of the day, that's what you want as a developer, right? You want as yeah, many people to play yours and enjoy yeah, your game really, as possible. Yeah, really, really hope, really hope people like it. Yeah, we worked really hard. Yeah, I think that shows through. I, w- I was a fan. So if you haven't seen my review, you can see that at uploadvr.com and here on our YouTube. And uh, thank you, Marco, for chatting with me. I don't think we've ever met in person, so let's do a little no. little yeah, handshake here. Uh, I know I've uh, uh, <laughs> I've I've met I met Jenny several times and um, so I'm right. very happy for you guys. I enjoyed the game yeah, and check it out if me. you haven't. And thank you for joining. I hope you enjoyed your time thank here you. on the VR download in our virtual sure. VR studio. Yeah, it's really nice, cozy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, so thanks and uh, hit subscribe if you're not here on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on a podcast platform, you should also subscribe to the podcast and don't miss an episode. Uh, we usually post audio versions every Thursday evening or on Fridays and uh, every major podcast platform out there. And make sure you check out uploadvr.com for all the latest VR news, reviews, live streams, all that good stuff. And uh, tonight, if you're listening live, is the Game Awards, which we do know will have some new information on Half-Life Alex. And I have a feeling there will be some other VR announcements as well that you should tune in for. And uh, so we will talk about the Game Awards probably next week. Um, You can watch it, um, you know, in Oculus venues. You can watch it in big screen. So if you want to hang on VR, you can do that. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and a great weekend.